0: The British Wrestling Experience with Martin, Oli and Beno. Episode 14 of the British Wrestling Experience on com. I'm your host, Martin Bushby, and joining me is Ollie Court and Richard Benson, aka Benno. And lads, we are mere hours away from England's first World Cup semi final appearance in 28 years, as they keep reminding me on the news. Uh, i got to say, I'm feeling quite old here in that uh, statistic. Uh, Italy 90 was the first major tournament that I watched as a kid. So, yeah, feeling really old thinking about that being 28 years old. So, uh, yeah hours away first world cup semi-final i mean uh, benno this is uh, really taken the nation by storm hasn't it
1: it has uh, the nightmare just getting back here to record the podcast the <laughs> cool city center is packed and people are ready to go uh, i vaguely remember uh, italia 90 i remember the game wasn't there a game for mega drive i think it was maybe uh, most definitely i remember that from my- from my childhood, yeah, yeah. I think the, the ones I mostly remember World Cup '94 and uh, maybe onwards from there. But yeah, just to join you in that uh, that old school club, both uh, before Ollie was born, I think yes.
2: maybe. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> no, very 90s old. Back. a good six years before I was even alive. So oh, good God. <laughs> um, my experience of watching England is very much out in the quarterfinals, out in the second round, <laughs> not even appearing in the knockout stages. So yeah, yeah, this is very exciting.
1: Just seeing us be terrible, basically. Uh, yeah. <laughs> looks like uh things are looking up but yeah we we could be eating those these words by the time people yeah.
0: Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see, obviously, Croatia is going to be as a toughest game so far, isn't it? So I suppose, like you just noted there, Benno, by the time uh, people listen to this, they'll have uh, found out whether we're in or out, so, uh, yeah, fingers crossed on that one. So, uh, Sack Southgate if we're out. Yeah. <laughs> I'll that in there. They'll be the first one to make that yeah. Yeah. shout. <laughs> Sack Southgate in his waistcoat, yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving on to what we're here to talk about, uh, New Japan and Red Pro hosted a Strong Style Evolved UK. Uh, and last weekend um it was on the 30th of June and the 1st of July in Milton Keynes and Altrincham respectively I was at both nights of the shows Ollie attended the first and uh I was there for the second leg in Altrincham I mean there was a lot of controversy surrounding these shows people disappointed that the elite wouldn't be in attendance or any of the members of uh LIJ um with the Milton Keynes portion being cited as a, a fairly weak card I mean having attended both nights I must say from a an in-ring perspective I thought uh, they both delivered i found the newer ice arena in milton Keynes to be a great venue with the bar overlooking all the action altering a mice arena has uh, seen better days and wanting a patch on uh, milton Keynes, but uh those are my thoughts i mean what were your thoughts ollie on on the venues and the presentations of these shows
2: oh yeah well the, the milton Keynes venue first of all was I, I thought excellent um and not just because i got a halftime pizza and sat up <laughs> in the balcony, the, the private Britress uh, shadow council booth and, uh, judged everything like Stetland Waldorf style. <laughs> uh, that was very, very fun. And now I'll never be able to go to another wrestling show, that doesn't have uh, a Papa John's in it. Cause that was <laughs> absolutely hilarious. Um, to eat pizza while watching Yano roll people up. Um, and yeah, as you say, the presentation was also really good. You know, RevPro spent a lot of their own money on making it look as authentically New Japan as possible with, you know, the special ring, um, you know, the, the aqua blue mat, um, all the hallmarks of the New Japan stuff. So like right from the get go, they set the tone for what these shows would feel like, which isn't, you know... A, new japan product but it was it certainly was as authentic as it could possibly be and probably more authentic than a lot of people were expecting
1: uh, I think I'm, I'm probably the opposite, to be honest. I, I I wasn't so impressed with the with the setup. Um, I think maybe part of it's that I didn't go to, to night one. I went to night two, and I'd heard seen some of the photos, and yeah, appreciated that the you know they had the the, the turnbuckle set up in the ring. It was mm-hmm. a dipping ring, unfortunately, but that's just mm-hmm. the, the, yeah. the way it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think early on they did get some criticism because they did originally present these as New Japan shows. Um, they did originally say on the on uh, the road pro twitter that these weren't global war style shows and i think that gave people some very very high expectations but myself included and i I just can't help but compare it to you know what happens in the us with the g1 specials there and obviously access tv are very much involved there Mm. new japan are much more involved as well which i think is the big difference here this was kind of andy quilden and and rev pro were very much uh, the lead on on putting these shows together but i I just think yeah i kind of got there and was like i I mean, the ring announcer I'd heard horror stories about from night one Mm. thought he was bad. I I didn't like the referees in the cheap t-shirts. I know they've done that in in new Japan tournaments before, but I do think if you were going to spend an extra few grand, I think it would have been worth it on flying over a new Japan ref and having a legitimate Japanese announcer just to give it more of a, a new Japan feel. Like I say, some of the production and the lighting. Okay. I can, I can forgive uh, the fact that there weren't photographers or young boys at ringside. I can also forgive as well. Um, um, but yeah, I, I, I probably would have preferred a little bit more of a, a New Japan presentation. It very much felt like, I mean, oh. even on the commentary, Kevin Kelly was talking about hearing Rev Pro, and the ring announcer was saying, our partners, New Japan. Uh, it yeah. did turn very much into Rev Pro presents New Japan more than anything.
2: they will regret that uh, tweet saying when he said, like, it wasn't going to be a Global Wars co-promoted show. Uh, <laughs> it was going to be New Japan. But I mean, compared to other... Wrestling promoters hanging themselves on Twitter in the recent <laughs> weeks. Uh, I, that's fairly minor in the grand scheme of things. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I certainly. Think, and Red Pro said themselves, um, picking that ring announcer was a mistake. So he didn't do any research beforehand, and you know, and, the, and he, you know, and they expected a lot more from him than what they got. So I suppose it's uh, learning there. And uh, yeah, like you know, there Ben, I think funding's a big reason. I think comparing these to the US shows is, is maybe a tad unfair. I mean, you know, it's all on Red Pro. This is New Japan testing the waters. But you know, yeah, you can fund it, and we'll just send the guys over. You know, I mean, yeah. even that US show. I mean, it's the third time round they've done. On it and you know and like you know there they've had backing from access, and obviously the US is a lot bigger market for New Japan, so they're going to be more invested in those US shows, aren't they? So, uh, I think for a a first time round, yeah, they did make the mistakes and it wasn't going to be a Gold War show, but I think um, all in all, I I did really enjoy these, so let's get into the cards. I mean, we won't go match through match, we'll just talk some of the notable happenings. I mean, night one in Milan, Keynes boiling hot day, I mean, I'm really glad it wasn't a nice arena with um, obviously the cover over the rice, but it was really nice and chilled in there, and I mean, leading into the event, we'll talk about the opening match. There was tons of speculation on who the mystery opponent would be for uh, Shoto Imuno on night one. I mean, tons of names were banded about and everyone waited with bated breath, um, you know, to see who would be revealed. And it was none other than young boy... Tomoyuki Oka and his new guys as the Great Okan, uh, fresh with a WWF 1980-style stereotypical Indian gimmick. And, of course, he came out to virtual silence. Ollie, what was your, uh, what was your impression seeing of the Great Okan nearly stumble down the steps in this uh, opening yeah. match?
2: The Dominator Great O'Conn. Uh It was bizarre, to be honest. Like, obviously, it wasn't going to be you know, Hulk Hogan coming down for the opening match against Young Lion Shoto Um, you know, it was gonna be someone maybe out of left field and not a big name. Um but I don't think anyone was quite expected for that. Um and the shambling as well, as you put it, like um the stereotypical Asian uh thing going on. I thought we thought it was someone taking the piss out of like <laughs> Asian culture. Like it was gonna be Bodum or something ripping off the mask and like <laughs> Being angry, that they, he wasn't booked on the show in any other way. And he was, like, taking the piss out of the Japanese people. But, no, it was, you know, Tommy Ikioka's new gimmick. Um, and actually, I've kind of warmed up to it since <laughs> that first one. <laughs> on night two, he wasn't doing the shambling, so that was immediately an improvement because that just looked bizarre and no one knew what to make of it. Um, you know, you look at evil in New Japan and mm. how bizarre that gimmick was when he debuted it but he's you know focused it a lot more since and uh like it's come on really really well even if he gets halfway as good as that got with for evil then you know the next three months should be pretty good he's over here he can refine it a lot more he's got regular work going um so yeah i'm it's certainly interesting that they gave him such a wacky character straight off the bat but i think it's Done so that he will he he'll be forced to bring out his character more than he was as a young lion. He won't just be wrestler guy. He 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 has to embrace this wacky
0: silly gimmick. Yeah, you can get. Sorry, uh, sorry about now.
1: I just think, yeah, I think it's difficult to to pull this character off and make it into, it's hard to see a, a more serious version of this character down the line. Uh, Evil's a good comparison. I still don't like Evil coming out with the budget pound-lound Halloween gear. Well, yeah, he is. you take him as a legitimate threat in a G1, don't you? Uh, whereas this does feel very, very open open and match stuff. Um, I, I've always liked him as one of the young boys, okay? But yeah, I, I'm not particularly positive. I mean, I was, I went to the second night in Manchester And we stayed in the pub rather than uh, went and watched his opening (laughs) match there. I think that tells you exactly what my interest level was for it. But I would say, I mean, I did hear from reports that he he got over uh, a bit more at the the cockpit. Maybe that's the the better environment for Mm. for something like this, especially when they did announce it as a surprise as well, which maybe set a few people's imaginations running a, a little bit too wild.
0: I mean, I can sort of see what they're going for. Obviously, Japanese talent used to come over here all the time for monthly excursions, you know, people like Liger. And uh the great Okan's going to be spending a few months over here learning, is he? But it's just the gimmick isn't for me at all. So uh guess we're going to have to wait and see on that one. I mean, the opening for Milton Keynes was fairly tepid. I mean, it was great seeing... Ishimori after his fantastic best of super junior final match, and I mean, boy, is he ripped to the gills! And um, this Suzuki-gun uh, tag match against Chaos. So you know, this is folks worried they weren't getting the proper New Japan experience. That was most definitely it, wasn't it,
2: ollie <laughs> Yeah, this this was what you wanted. <laughs> if five minutes in you were complaining about uh how rubbish (laughs) yano and azuka biting each other and rolling each other up was you know that is authentic new japan so (laughs) you know for everyone who was complaining um you know like (laughs) this was kind of the make good match um and yeah i'm i'm kind of happy that the card ended up how it was a sort of mix of pro and new japan rather than just this match four times over because this is the stuff you skip on the, the New Japan Horror shows anyway. Um, but in terms of experiencing it live, and this was when I had my pizza in my hand, <laughs> you know, I, I was loving it and just, you know, snarking on it and embracing the weirdness of it. You know, it was good fun. I, I will admit on the VOD for night two, I kind of glazed over <laughs> on the equivalent match um, with just Yoshihashi and for Jay White. Um, but in, in terms of a live, Fun thing for the crowd. Yeah, this was good fun, and obviously, as you mentioned, the Aussie Open versus Ishimori and Ujro uh, match. Um, yeah, again, Aussie Open looked very impressive in that, and um, Ishimori, uh, as you say, like he's already made himself something in New Japan. It's going to be very exciting to watch him go forward from there. And that, you know, that was a good match to round out the card as well.
0: I mean, business really picked up uh, just before the interval when we had Walter taking on Gina Agata. I mean, this was a fantastic match, really live in the crowd up, and was exactly what you what you would want from these two, Ollie.
2: Oh yeah, Walter's obviously kind of the the new toy in RevPro. Pro. Um, they're really, really building him up, and obviously they're building towards this issue match in August and probably a Suzuki match after that. So I think. The important thing was for him to get some victories over other New Japan guys lower on the totem pole, and Nagata and Yujiro were earmarked as the guys to beat (laughs) on the tour. So, um, you know, (laughs) he got to have a good match with Nagata. He got to have like a surprisingly good match with Yujiro as well. Uh, Neither one will blow your socks off, but it really establishes Walter as a threat in in the RevPro environment, um, building up to that big main event for Summer Sizzler.
1: Yeah, I think when the the uh, the cards were announced, this was a match that you know f- for the people who were were critical, myself involved, people were pointing to this as one of the you know this is a this is a, a big match on night one, and I really wanted to see Walter in there with with a big heavyweight, and as much as you know, Yuji Nagata's uh, he's getting up there a little bit in years, he can still pull it out in, in a big match match like this, Carney, and like Ollie said, he's a, it's a perfect. I think it felt like a litmus test for Walter to to see you know where he'd fit potentially uh, in New Japan canon and what kind of uh, matches we'd get from him which we all know you know walter's awesome we all get to see him absolutely everywhere it's kind of like uh there's a danger sometimes of walter's matches where they can become a little bit greatest hits you see all those big spots uh just because he's debuting in in so many new places but this was this was certainly a lot different. It was him against a a legitimate legend in Yuji Nagata. And while it was a a decisive victory for Walter, um, there was, you know, it it wasn't a guarantee by any means either. I could easily have seen going into this, uh, Yuji Nagata going over as he has so many uh, Rev Pro talent in Mm. the past. So I was really pleasantly surprised by that as well. And yeah, if anybody had doubts uh, about Walter, he he fit in absolutely perfectly. And it just made me desperate to, to see more of him in a, potential uh, new japan environment
0: and then uh, next up we had a uh, chris brooks taking on yoshihashi i mean i'm still not sold on brooks as a singles guy for i mean tags uh with cck and kid Lykos. and i mean yoshihashi Hans- Yoshi is certainly an interesting opponent for you know if, if he's uh here to impress new japan i mean thoughts on this one ollie it sort of seemed to uh really taper away towards the end
2: yeah, this one kind of suffered from its slotting. I thought maybe if it was like the second match or something, people would be more receptive. But uh, in the second half, um, you know, Yoshihashi just isn't like a big name over here. And yeah, <laughs> it wasn't the best match ever. And unfortunately, Chris Brooks like re-aggravated an injury in it. And he was off night too, So not the most auspicious weekend for him. Uh, I thought it had some good stuff in it but just yeah the crowd were a little bit uninterested for this one waiting for the bigger matches to come obviously with Will Osprey and then the big tag team main event
1: yeah, it was just very disappointing as well, wasn't it? Seeing, like you say, this was Brooks's weekend and he got beat clean. Um, I know you've got to get Yoshi Hashi, Hashi ready. He's got a G1 coming up. But this was a bit of a shame uh, to see if you are going to put like a, a Brooks on a show like this. Uh, yeah. I suppose the, the G1 is the reason. But yeah, I wouldn't have. Yeah, this is where the ghetto Brooks influence over. comes in. Definitely, definitely. So I suppose we're getting authentic New Japan there. <laughs> um, but yeah, just a bit of a, a not match, really. And uh, just unfortunate for Chris Brooks, again, that this, this was his entire week. Because yeah, they put a lot of uh, faith in Chris Brooks. Uh, obviously, with him not signing with WWE, um, and this wasn't the uh, yeah the greatest uh, audition for him in this environment.
0: I mean, Benno, it's interesting that uh, Yoshihashi took uh, Pete Dunne on last year, and then he's here against Brooks, and then obviously Nagata took Trent Seven on last year, and then he's here against Walter. Do you think they're using these two guys as kind of like the uh, you know the the benchmark, and you know if you can go with these, then you know you, you might be worth a look at uh, in New Japan
1: it's definitely a good litmus test isn't it you put someone in with Yuji Nagata and he knows his stuff and yeah he'd probably be a good judge someone to ask you know is Walter someone we should bring in and hopefully he say yes (laughs) um yeah he's a good I mean Yoshihashi maybe it's more of a test of can you do something interesting Uh, I don't think I've been ever interested in Yoshihashi he's one of the the most uninteresting wrestlers on, on the New Japan roster and yeah unfortunately Chris Brooks who isn't really a, a finished article as a singles wrestler. I don't know if if you'd say he passed the audition here because it was very much a a throwaway match with with not much memorable there. Uh, so yeah, that was a certainly a test for him and potentially maybe he failed.
0: And, uh, the penultimate match on night one was a uh, Will Osprey against Kanemara. and um, I wasn't expecting much from this, but um, this was the usual fantastic Osprey. We got all these uh, massive high flying moves. We had the uh, the crowd was massively into this one chance of a uh, Osprey's coming home, and uh, the crowd really, really got into this one, didn't they, Ollie?
2: Oh yeah, this is fantastic. Just the the ovation Osprey got straight away. Like he's such a huge star now. Him and Sabre Junior. Have just elevated themselves to just a ridiculous level, like you know, not taking you know the NXT contract for Saber Jr. and just outright rejecting WWE, uh, full stop, for Osprey. And they went to New Japan. They've been booked like stars, and they've just grown as wrestlers in doing that. Obviously, Saber Jr. was obviously on a very high level, and Osprey had all the potential in the world, but they've just been, used that potential so brilliantly with New Japan as a base. It's been fantastic to see. And that's that's kind of for the for the benefit of RevPro and this New Japan partnership in the UK, because it means that they can use these two guys as tentpole names to sell the shows. And, you know, he was in there against Kanemaru, who is <laughs> usually <laughs> quite uninteresting, you know, and he's certainly not a big name for, like, the British fans of New Japan um, by any means. So... Yeah, this was an awesome match. Um, and Kanemaru, for his part, did really well in it as well. But obviously, it was all because of Osprey's star power and just the fun of seeing him and fought Kanemaru in the end.
1: Yeah, I don't think I've ever been so into to Kanemaru, really. This was a match where I was like, oh, I kind of wish Osprey was in, in a bigger match. But I think the fact that he was so over and Kanemaru did have his working boots on, it actually turned into one of the most memorable matches of the two days for me. Uh, it was just, I think, again, because Osprey had all those chants and it was like a, a big homecoming for him, it kind of made Kanemaru... You know, the middle of the match was a very was a bit of a long heat segment from him, but it got over because people wanted to, you know, see Osprey overcome. And that Osprey started hot and ended hot as well with the match. This was, you know, was a a bit of an exhibition match for Osprey, but there was there was depth to it as well. Um, and it definitely Kanemaru. Even though, you know, he lost, he looked good too. It was just a a really fun match and it kind of yeah gave gave us, I I was kind of a little bit worried about big singles matches on this first day and this, this gave us another big singles match, even if it wasn't something that I was expecting going in.
0: I mean, just on a little side note here, I think it was just before this match started that Osprey started selling chops to the chess for a tenor at his merch table. I mean, I only noticed this because it could be heard all around the arena. I don't know who first inquired about being chopped by Will, but this was in full effect the night after, wasn't it? I mean, everyone was lining up to be paid for the privilege. And uh, it was interesting when I was, I was talking to you on, on the second night, Benno, and uh, people were queuing up to be chopped by Osprey, and you, you look down the rest of the wrestlers, and uh, Tomohiro Ishii was stood at the end uh, looking very unimpressed
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah he didn't look impressed and Walter didn't look impressed either Uh, what has this business come to but hey if you can make some money uh, why not if Osprey can get away with it and he's not getting told off by the New Japan office might as well
0: Exactly. And, uh, yeah, main event of night one was uh, Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. taking on Kazuchika Ricardo and Tomohiro Ishii. I mean, this was absolutely fantastic. I mean, it, it, this was the main star power on this, and you could tell by the ovations these guys got when they came out. And a, a fantastic way to build up the singles matches for night two. Um, Okada debuted his new music here and a new pair of, uh, trousers or disco pants as, uh, ZSJ called them on the night two and, uh, <laughs> seeing Ishii and Suzuki going at it chop for chop, elbow for elbow. And I mean. The crowd was with both men every step of the way, and it has to be one of the best live moments I've ever witnessed. I mean, Sabre Jr. also maneuvering his way out of every Rainmaker attempt, and uh, Suzuki Gun uh, picked up the win, foreshadowing what was to come on night two, Ollie. And uh, yeah, I mean, this was one of my favorite matches of the whole weekend.
2: Yeah, once again, just star power through the roof for all four guys. Um, you know, once again they really have something with Saber Jr. Everyone was so hyped to see Ishii Suzuki and Okada. And also, as you say, we got the debut of the new Okada music and the new Okada look with the crazy red balloons that are just so indiorific. Like obviously there's a wider (laughs) story going on with them. And also we got um the, the the I guess the second appearance ever, but the first like taped appearance of Suzuki's new music. Um, obviously another remix but yeah that was also really cool Um, so yeah that was a a special bone throw for uh, the Milton Keynes crowd and yeah and then they just went at it and it it was brilliant and they called back to a lot of the spots on night two in the singles matches Um, but overall I thought this was the second best match of the weekend um, only to the main event of night two (laughs) so yeah both main events of both shows really really delivered and this was So much fun to watch live like everyone just came alive for this one if they hadn't already for osprey kanemaru and they were just so so into this match it was it was really a joy to watch and a joy to be there live
1: I'd agree as well that this match was, even though I, I wasn't there live, I watched this on BOD and I went in knowing what the finish was, but it still stood out. It was still, yeah, yeah. you know, the great match that everybody had, had said it was to me. I went in knowing the finish, but it was kind of fun watching Zack Sabre Jr. continually trying to isolate Ishii Ishi and work his arm because I knew what was coming at the at the very end of it. Um, but yeah, just a a really fun main event and a really, I, I think this was by far by a far amount the big match of night one and yeah it definitely delivered there was a lot of preview of night two a lot of you know ishii and suzuki strike exchanges and okada and zach sabre jr gamesmanship but it it stood alone on its own match on its own merit as a match as well i just thought ishii is kind of one of the him as face in peril was just the best just getting to see what he does does best which is selling and get okada who yeah maybe we'll get into a bit more with the night two stuff he looked a little bit off his game and i do think yeah a lot of that is, is the the story they're trying to tell like like holly said with the the silly balloons um but yeah a match that i think it could be easy to say okay if, I've, if i'm short on time i'll go straight to night two and i'll watch the the two big singles matches but i'd certainly recommend people check this one out first yeah. as a as a lead in. it was as, as good as any tag i've seen as a more of a, a setup tag to to two big singles matches uh this year so definitely a, still a high recommend
0: Yeah, definitely worth going out of your way uh, to check out that and uh, the Osprey Kanamara match uh, from night one. So we're headed back up north uh, for night two, incredibly hyped after that uh, main event. I mean, it was even hotter than the day before and nowhere near as cool in uh a. Ice Arena number two, and not a great deal on the undercard until we got to match four, which saw Walter against Jojiro Takahashi, and no expense was spared as Takahashi had two <laughs> ring girls with him here. Um, I mean, a young kid near me, his mouth was agape the entire matches. These, <laughs> these girls' outfits didn't leave much to the out. imagination, didn't they? I mean, decent <laughs> match here, Ollie, really, but uh, it wasn't quite the Walter squash, squash rather we wanted, but uh, still saw Takahashi take a beating.
2: Yeah, all the spots where Yujiro went flying was very satisfying because he is such a a smarmy bastard. (laughs) Um, And yeah, like the Yujiro gimmick is perfect for what it is. Like uh, he's been relegated out of the G1 and will never be like a serious, you know, star in New Japan ever again. But, you know, <laughs> it, it's uh, it's fun, and that kid <laughs> had a good time, so that's good. And, <laughs> obviously, yeah, Walter absolutely crushing him was very satisfying. Although Yujiro did did have him on the ropes for a bit. Walter prevailed pretty easily, I'd say. Um, and, yeah, just a good setup for him to take on Ishii. Two for two against New Japan, guys. He's probably going to get through Ishii as well. And they're probably going to try and hinge their last York Hall show of the year on Walter Suzuki, I'd imagine. And that'd be one of the biggest matches they've ever put on, by the way, they've built this
1: definitely and i was kind of worried with them obviously you know doing that and a lot of the booking here being rev pro gears you know setting up big uh, walter matches in rev pro i was a little bit worried going in because he'd won on night one that maybe he was going to lose here and maybe ugero is going to go <laughs> over um, <laughs> but it didn't happen i mean i was there were times where as soon as the match started than ugero was trying to work over walter and you almost feel bad for walter having to sell it because just nobody's getting into no. ugero's meek offenses his, his entrance with the, the two girls is kind of as, as, as over as Yujiro as gets. Um but again, yeah, you got more of Walter's greatest hits and, and he did go over uh somewhat strongly. It, it felt like a, a mercy killing when he finally hit that John Woo and power bomb and went over. Um but again yeah it, it wasn't quite the mauling maybe uh, might have hoped for going in but also I'm just very glad that that Walter went over. It was a another good sign of his potential fortunes in definitely in RevPro and then potentially maybe in New Japan at some point.
0: And uh, next up, we had a uh, Tai Chi beating Will Ospreay. I mean, uh, this sort of Tai Chi foil any attempt Osprey had it is a high flying offense, and it obviously left Osprey quite frustrated. I mean, this wasn't a great match for me. I get Tai Chi is the heavyweight and Will's the junior, hence the result. But I'm just not a big uh, fan of Tai Chi at all, Ollie.
2: Uh, I I like Tai Chi when he actually puts in the effort, um, like the shite-housing effort. Obviously, that is the way he wrestles, and <laughs> like I'm. I'm but like sometimes he will shite house his shite house, if that makes any <laughs> sense. Like he'll literally just not care at all to deliver a show. Whereas other times when he's like going full on and he's getting the heat, I point always point to his uh, his Noah run as the junior champion when he was just getting absolutely nuclear heat and everyone bloody hated him. And it was basically riots in the crowds when he won. Um, it wasn't quite like that, but I've, people were very much against him, especially mm. having Osprey as the foil for all his shenanigans was very good. Um, so yeah, I thought this built, match built quite nicely. Um, Taichi could stand to lose the love handles, but he is a heavyweight <laughs> now. Um, and yeah, the, the shite-housery was very, very frustrating. Um, you wanted to punch tai Chi in the face and... The result, as you say, was kind of ghetto influenced. I would have thought that maybe because Ospreay has been threatening going to heavyweight and Chi isn't in the G1, they would have just said screw it and given Mm -hmm. Ospreay the win. But again, um, I think on this night in particular, they wanted to establish Suzuki-gun dominance. And yeah, this was another Suzuki-gun beating chaos uh, match
1: yeah it was a surprise wasn't it but it, it kind of it made sense with the booking and i understand that they you know you want to do something like this and surprise the audience because i think everyone in the building thought osprey was going to win but it does take the air out of the building when you when you do it in practice just because it's Tai Chi. i just i don't <laughs> know i think it's just the stall i mean the stallings the character isn't it as you've just said ollie and he was just so slowly slowly working over osprey and it, it's the slowest i think i've ever seen an osprey match um just yeah it, something about the gimmicks just not for me and I'll I'll eat crow on Kanemaru because I, I was a bit sad going in that Osprey didn't have a bigger match and that was great but this was just yeah not great it was how often do you see you know Will Ospreay match that the people aren't raving about um, and this was one of those um, yeah I mean they protected Osprey, you know well there was a lot of Kanemaru interference towards the end as well and it wasn't it's not the end of the world I'm sure you know if they do more of these strong style evolved UK shows next year um, you could still put Osprey in a main event and still get a, a huge match out of him. it doesn't really matter much in, in the grand scheme of things but yeah I'm with you Ollie I would have preferred to see Osprey. Go over um, just because, yeah, Tai Chi. Just if it was anyone else, even anyone else in Suzuki, Suzuki you have yeah. probably let it go. It's just because it's especially him. It's in Britain, so as well. Bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> he's he the a G one,
2: so he doesn't need protecting. Yeah, thought, just mate, no that was a step too far, maybe on the ghetto <laughs> <laughs> protection agency. Definitely.
0: And uh, well, he heared the crowd up back again for this uh, great four way for the Red Pro Cruiserweight Championship. Um, I thought El Fantasmo really shone this one. I mean, I've only seen him a few times since he's uh, moved from Canada to the UK, but um, really, really impressed me on. Him. And, and then David Starr was fantastic as always, Ollie.
2: Yeah, El Fantasmo looked really good here. Like, he looked every bit on the level as Tiger Maskin, probably like three-quarters speed ishimori, let's be fair. <laughs> um, but still very much on the level of those guys. And this went on at a, a, a fair rate. Um, it was actually quite a long match, like longer than you'd expect, you know, the, the Cruiserweight four-way to go. Um, and also quite clever booking from from Andy Q to sort of disguise um, the build to Star vs. Phantasmo at Summer Sizzler. And obviously that's been their big feud for the last couple of months, and it has been really well built, actually um that angle at the end of the southampton show where uh fantasmo beat star non-title and then star said that he could have the match right now for the title and then kicked him in the ball straight away for the dq and defense of the title was yeah very very frustrating and they're doing good stuff with star um repositioning him as a heel i, I think it's much more natural for him <laughs> he's a maybe a more natural heel than he is a babyface. um and it, yeah, it definitely worked, and they built that story up nicely within this match. So I thought some of their book, booking was maybe overshadowed by New Japan stuff, but here, Andy Q scored a point for building up Rev Pro
0: <laughs> with
2: yeah. uh, disguising it, the build for that match.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I think the one thing, well, not the one thing, but one of the many things Rev Pro doing well at the moment is, like you say, that David Starr run I'd love to see are being this kind of whiny heel in other promotions as well it's great the way you can turn that opening promo into a heel act and yeah we didn't really talk much about him on day one but he had that match with tiger Master there where i thought he looked good as well and we kind of carried on with the story here with him kind of being the getting the the roll-up win um i really it was a good match for him yeah for anyone who's just maybe a new japan fan and not a pro fan i can't see them and not being entertained by david Starr. i'd agree with you martin that uh, el phantasmo really did steal the show here some of his big spots in here is rope walks and he's someone who again probably uh made some new fans i did think that uh tai chi shimori kind of faded into the background here mm. i'd not really considered it i was talking to somebody about the shows and it was kind of like i realized that i'd I couldn't remember much that he'd, he'd even done in the match. It, it did feel like it was more about uh, the other three here. I know his you know his his future is is bright in new Japan. Um but yeah it was just it was a bit interesting to see that maybe he wasn't particularly uh, focused on in this match or didn't uh, so much uh, grab the spotlight uh,
0: here. I mean, we had a very controversial figure up next. It was uh, Jay White. It was originally supposed to be facing Chris Brooks, um, who had to pull out due to ill health and was replaced by uh, Aussie Opens Kyle Fletcher. And Ollie, Jay White uh, seems to be a, a very Marmite um, wrestler at the moment. You either, you know, like his matches or you completely hate them. I mean, Go when do you fall on the Jay White I'm side. I'm very
2: much up on Jay White yeah. right now. I think he's doing. <laughs> excellent character work like again a lot of like these heavy heavily gimmicked new guys in new japan he'd seemed to struggle originally that first match against tanahashi was not good especially on such a big stage um he was struggling a bit even in that main event against kenny omega which was good uh like he just didn't seem on the same level and i was worried for him but i didn't write him off and now he's coming good like he's really mastering that character he is a sleazeball um he's like that he's really volatile like he, he's kind of he you don't want to piss him off because it just seems like he is going to flip at any point um like uh he's doing very good stuff and against kyle fletcher i thought it was a great chance to stretch the legs of that character work because obviously fletcher's you know a younger guy beyond the dog you know he could really beat on this guy in that spot where he had Fletcher in the ropes and was chopping his chest and making the making the mark and Fletcher was trying to fire up and get going into the match. That was really good. That really heated things up. So Jay seems to have quite an innate ability to be able to just build more and more heat into a match and get pe- more and more people invested in booing him, um, as we saw against Juice Robinson in that excellent match um, in California as well. He Like, he's just doing particular things that are just building matches so well now, so he seems to have a really good mastery on how to wrestle as the Switchblade now, which I think that was my main criticism of him, was he just seemed like a dork in a costume, whereas now he seems like he has embraced the character, um, and really making it 3D and, like, react, something people are going to really react to.
1: I th- I think with me, with him, I, I mean, again, I think... Part of it, maybe, it is the fact you mentioned that the Tanahashi and the Kenny Omega matches kind of yeah. heavily on the memory with Jay White. I'm still not sold on the gimmick. I think I'd agree with you. I think the Juice Robinson match was maybe the best presentation I've seen of it. But here, live, I don't know. It's still feels like an odd fit and it still feels like he's he, he's maybe growing into the character I'd mm-hmm. I never doubt him as an in-ring worker I do I do like him I've liked him in his previous runs in Rev Pro and as a match although this was maybe a little bit long for me uh, once they got to the, the finishing stretch and Kyle Fletcher is such a, a good underdog it, it really did turn into a, a great match um there was that going for it but yeah I was I was there live still not completely sold on on this jy white switchblade character he he just i don't know he, he feels more straight laced than than the, the character yeah. is. but i'm willing to give him time and yeah i've I've heard other people than yourself as well Ali, you know uh say that they, they've turned the corner on him. So yeah. maybe,
2: i'm you know. i'm into it now <laughs> the yeah. last month or two he's he's definitely grown on me a lot
1: it does seem to be turning, people. Uh, maybe I, I'm one of the last holdouts, but I, I certainly wouldn't say that about his in-ring, though. I, I do think, yeah, it was a, a really, really strong match, and there was the unfortunate Carl uh, Fletcher uh, missing off off the top. Mm. And kind of I'm, not, I'm
2: not that. so sure it wasn't, like, actually planned that way, because I think they, just, they certainly it, covered for it, so it really well, and it fit.
1: Yeah, that's, that's kind of my take on it it was more a case of the they covered it so well didn't they that it felt like it was part of the story yeah, Part I of this. it
2: made the match better to be honest because fletcher was beating white's <laughs> ass <laughs> and then he makes a mistake and immediately loses I, I thought it worked quite well so if it was a botch they turned it into something better than was probably planned
1: I, i'd agree yeah. and it kind of you had uh, fletcher kind of in the ring just looking absolutely devastated which yeah. also real which which added to the story didn't it so if it is a botch as far as botches go it's actually not the worst place for (laughs) for one to come uh they did make it uh, almost look planned uh, even if maybe it wasn't
0: I mean, uh, while we're talking about Fletcher, he must uh, be pretty pleased with how his weekend went. He had uh, good showings in this match, um, irrelevant of whether we thought it was a botch or not, and then uh, the tag match the day before. And um, obviously there was a lot of talk of the number of Red pro talent on this show, El Phantasmo, Open, Chris Brooks. I mean, I thought they all fared really well, and I thought they should be pleased with um, the showings from this weekend. Uh, do you think they all came across uh, really well here, Ollie?
2: Yeah, Aussie Open, I think, out of all of those guys, probably have the best shot of making it into obviously not getting signed by new japan straight away but certainly making it on for that tag league tour because they're willing to give teams shots at the tag league you know they've got a lot of slots to fill out and you know they will reach all over the world to obscure places to grab people um i'll never forget the uh actually i have forgotten them <laughs> um i, I cut brian breaker and leland race yeah those two <laughs> ma- major names that got a tag league spot so if they can get a tag league spot I mean, Davis and Fletcher are basically shoe ins, Um, you know, they may need to work on the look a little bit. Uh, I know a lot of people still seem to find them very dorky. And, you know, obviously, their popularity in Britain is, you know, isolated. I'm not sure if it would work Mm -hmm. elsewhere if they just took them wholesale to a different place. So maybe that needs some work. But in terms of the matches that they can put on, they'll fit right in in that tag league. I mean, you don't even need to work very hard in the tag league. Nobody does. So they might even be the best team in the tag league if they even go at three quarters of what they're capable of. So (laughs) if I'm I'm ghetto, I'm saying, yeah, I'm calling them up for December and seeing if they can earn a more permanent spot. Uh, As for Phantasma and Brooks, it might be a bit harder of a sell. I just don't see where they fit in on a more regular basis, even for just a a tournament. So I never say never, but they might need more spots to impress, uh, that they need Japan brass. Mm. -hmm
1: yeah I think I don't think Brooks did himself many favours but part of that's the injury isn't it and the fact that, yeah, he was that was unfortunate. Too. Fantasmo yeah I like him but I wonder where he fits I, I think I'm with Ollie. I think I could see Fletcher and Davis happening and yeah the look is an issue I think the fact that I think we're all used to them aren't we it's the fact yeah. that we've seen them yeah. grow come over as pretty much nobodies and rise up and we're all used to them and they've improved the gear and Fletcher has gotten bigger but I do think a new fan would look at them maybe still and just think there's, there is improvement to be made there yeah, and maybe new japan would,
2: go for a global audience
1: yeah and maybe new japan would look at them and say well is kyle fletcher jr and then davis is a heavyweight and there is still like that old school uh, japan mentality of well which division do you put them in now but then again zack saber jr has gotten away with it so it's uh certainly not impossible and yeah if they got the chance i'm sure they'd uh, grab it with both hands
0: so uh, moving on to the double main events we had a uh... Kazuchika Okada taking on Zack Sabre Jr. And this is obviously a rematch from uh, Sakura Genesis earlier this year. And what a rematch it was. I mean, uh, uh, this was the first, I didn't notice Okada coming out with the balloons uh, the first time around, but I definitely noticed it this time around. And a really surprising result with uh, ZSJ winning here, Ollie.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Like, certainly what the story they're doing with Okada, it seems to be he's going to go on a bit of a losing streak in the G1, but ultimately be in contention on the final night um yeah like he's lost everything he's lost all the gold from his trousers <laughs> so much <laughs> so has he lost his you know his championship and his identity so you know i i'm really enjoying identity crisis okada with the weird balloons with dollar sign smiley faces drawn on them <laughs> uh and yeah a really really good match like he he's <laughs> if he's lost his personality he certainly hasn't lost his his in-ring skill um but like I think that the story of this match was, but it was wrestled Zach's way. Like he kept it grounded, he kept it technical. He didn't let Okada hit. Well, Okada hit all of his big moves, but he couldn't really get any momentum going with them. Like every time he hit something, he couldn't follow it up with anything else. He did hit the Rainmaker, but was too injured to make the cover. And they actually repeated the final spot of Sakura Genesis, like moment for moment, with Zach trying to lock in that octopus hold of his not being able to hook the hand, his hands together, Okada breaking out, pulling him into a Rainmaker, um, missing this time, and then getting rolled up. That was fantastic, and you know, a very good eye out for people who have been watching it for a while, watching their matches, um, and obviously watched Sakura Genesis. Like That was a very good callback, and that's what we love New Japan for. It's, it's all the <laughs> callbacks in the main events. So yeah, this was... Very, very fun to watch and obviously a huge moment for Zach scoring a win over Okada even if it is broken Okada. Um, and yeah, a, again, a, a bone throw for the British fans. You know, I, th- I think that New Japan realise that Ospreay and ZSJ are very much for homegrown favourites and they're going to make him look strong in the UK even if that means losing to Chi <laughs> occasionally
1: <laughs> yeah if you were under any doubt as well that pop when when Zack Sabre went oh open, yeah. my god I was stood on the floor and it was just it was perfect and tying into what you said there about the character work of okada it was the perfect time to put zach over okada he loses nothing by it if anything it pays more into the story uh, of okada i mean we talked about it on, on, with the day one stuff but i've kind of seen people split on whether okada was putting in half effort here or it was gimmick and i'm well on the side of it. it's all gimmicky yeah
0: he's
1: despondent in his movement, isn't he? But he's not despondent in the work. This was still a, a first-class match that it, it fit in on uh, on any G1. Um, I mean, I hope you're right about the story as well with the G1. yeah, That's what sort I've of, in my post-wrestling pick for the uh, the G1 coming up. I've got him losing his first few matches and then coming back. That feels like the story that they're telling with him. And this, you know, losing to Zack Sabre Jr. here just gives more ammo to, to a story like that. Um, but yeah, it was awesome. It was a great match. Exactly what like you say what new japan do well which is tell longer term stories even within the match with you know Zack saber constantly seeming to one-up zach uh, okada and grabbing holds and even getting that european clutch early in the match as a near fall yeah, and then it, yeah. it paying off at the to end when, yeah as a final thing after the it felt like they'd gone through absolutely every possible finish with a, a rain a couple of rainmakers in there, tombstones and and Zach saber constantly grabbing submissions broke cards get, getting out i think he did a really good job at playing with uh, people's expectations here and also delivering some first-class spots in there as well so yeah this was again although uh, some complained about the cards going in of uh, strong style evolved uk as opposed to the uh, strong style evolves that they get in america this is a match that is probably better than I can think any card on one of the American shows and as good as anything that you get on a G1. Absolutely loved it live and watching back on the VOD. It was great as well. So, yeah, we definitely uh, we were very lucky to get this one, to get a big singles card, match and to get to see uh, Zach Sabre Jr. go over as well.
0: I mean, um, if that wasn't enough we uh, we had the uh, second main event on the card, Suzuki taking on Ishii for the Red Pro Championship and I mean, this was a completely fantastic main event, these two aging warriors going to war for our viewing pleasure, I mean, any quibbles about the look of the show, whether this was a full New Japan show, surely went out of the window for this one I mean, this was one of the best matches I've ever seen live, Wince-inducing chops, elbows galore fantastic ending with Ishii constantly finding a way to wriggle out of the gotch pile driver before succumbing to it and losing the Red Pro title to Suzuki. I mean Waller came out of the end, dispatched A Vichy, even standing on him with one foot as if to challenge Suzuki. I mean this was just a fantastic match and a fantastic angle to a uh, to end the show here, Ollie.
2: Yeah, Suzuki's performances in the UK have been something. He's having a hell of a year and you know part of that is being he's he deserves to be the British champion because you know he he's been really bringing his performances here. Um, I think you know, people said that his his match against Matt Riddle back last year and last autumn, you know, he was maybe not putting in full effort. And then he sort of realized actually these people are are really really into this. So he tried a hell of a lot harder against Mustache Mountain and, and like he just delivered that aura, that Suzuki special both there and here. And yeah, like his performance in this match was one of the best performances I've seen all year. He was going all over the floor, all over the ring, doing everything he could to draw every single person into the match. Um, He did loads of, loads of cool stuff, loads of fun stuff. And he was having the time of his life. So it was great to watch just Suzuki in this match, but also Ishii. Obviously, as we said, we've commended his selling great opponent for Suzuki, because he's a scary, scary bastard, and you know, Ishii's uh, a great foil to that to get behind him and try and try and see him through the big test that is Suzuki, um, and obviously the chop battle to start off with, and then the elbow battle later on. <laughs> you know, it, you know, this was the final match of a weekend. Everyone let loose, um, and they created something really, really good here. Best match of the weekend. Best mm. match of RevPro's year so far, and very very excited for Suzuki as champion because he, he's more than earned that spot <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah he's kind of he, he's gotten so over with him him and Ishii the both Ishii and Suzuki oh yeah so over with Western audiences We're aren't they
2: booked Ishii better than New Japan <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, they're over in America as well, but you're right that they feel like a, a bigger deal, don't they, uh, over yeah. here when they're in the UK? Um, yeah, I mean, it's... We've also got one of the best feuds uh, brewing in Brit res which is Minoru Suzuki and Chris Roberts, who looks afraid <laughs> for his life every time yeah. Minoru Suzuki comes near him. Um, but yeah, just a absolutely awesome match. And just, I, I think... Live, I mean, I watched this one back on the VOD. Live, it was incredible to see those them going back and forth with the strikes. I did feel on the VOD, they went mic so well, which was a bit of a shame mm. for anybody watching back because they did sound really loud and horrible it the building but it didn't hit so much uh, I mean a note of the VOD I did think that the commentary was really good across the two nights and they let this match breathe when it was going to those yeah, big strike really exchanges touch. they just let it happen didn't they and I thought that yeah. was that was really good this is
2: best, best Andy Boy Simmons commentary I've ever heard because he actually bothered mm. to <laughs> do his research,
1: <laughs> on, his research on the wrestlers um, yeah.
2: and Kevin Kelly was obviously really good because he's familiar with the product and was very proud of it actually <laughs> I thought yeah,
1: yeah, they both did a really good job of selling. I think Kevin Kelly filling in the New Japan stuff, and Andy filling in, you know, the the Rev program uh, gaps, but also telling the stories of the matches. I mean, the, the the far superior to the the combo that you get on the the U.S. shows. Um, them two, and that they, they tell they sell the drama better than I'd say uh, them two do as well. Just the the drama in this one with the, the struggle at the end with the Gotch Power Driver. They're live, just watching Ishii's legs flailing as he's oh, yeah. trying to. Fight back was what, such a good what, what a moment, moment and just <laughs> awesome. And it came across great on the VOD as well. The commentary really put over the, the fight uh, okay. there. And again, uh, a result that maybe people weren't expecting just because of how the results had all gone uh, Suzuki kuns way yeah, so far.
0: Suzuki can dominate. Uh,
1: it was kind of a, a double bluff, wasn't it? That uh, you can't, you might, you might have gone in thinking, well, Ishii's not been the champion for so long, so surely he's gonna go over here. And the, yeah, they, they pulled one over on us. So I think that was uh, at least uh, as a whole, uh, really clever booking, and yeah, made for a great moment when it eventually happened. And Mano uh, Suzuki uh, won the belt. Uh, what a big moment for for a Rev Pro title! And yeah, just can't wait to see more of Suzuki over here in our country.
0: Um, a fantastic setup at the end, and then uh, the rest of Suzuki Gun came out to celebrate what had been a completely dominant weekend for them. Perfect main event, and then a fantastic way to end this weekend. Um, I mean, obviously, we've got Walter V. Issue set up for Summer Sizzler in August, and then Walter V. Suzuki somewhere down the line, and uh, a certain Tim Thatcher is appearing for OTT the day after Summer Sizzler. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ollie, do you think uh, we can see appearance for him at Red Pro the day before?
2: well he's been in road Pro a couple of times but certainly not in any of the storylines but obviously with walter getting the big push yeah i could see maybe ring camp invasion and going up against the again that that sounds okay
1: (laughs) yeah there's great tags in there and there's great single opportunity there so yeah i'd love to see it myself
0: so um, a couple of days before the Strong Style Evolved shows, Will Ospreay debuted his new promotion, Frontline Wrestling. I mean, we previewed this on the last show, but Ollie, you were there live. I mean, uh, what were some of the brief highlights uh, from Frontline Wrestling's first show?
2: Yeah, well, obviously, the main highlight was the main event, uh, Keno versus Chris Ridgway. I would recommend it, certainly, to anyone who was interested. Um it was kind of a match you would have imagined lots and lots of kicks <laughs> to every part of the body imaginable. Um, and Chris Ridgeway is, yeah, he's, he's a spectacular performer. Um, if you're into that kind of very physical style and Kenno is kind of his, his Japanese opposite number, um, you know, almost criminal, that he, they took the title off him in Noah, um, but he seems to be sticking around. He can try and rebuild himself there and he, I don't think he was quite 100% here like Suzuki was, but he certainly wasn't mailing it in like a Goto. <laughs> so it, it was a good performance from him, great performance from Ridgeway, and, yeah, a, a very fun atmosphere. Other than that, I'd say the highlight mainly was the production, um, the whole red versus blue situation they had going on um, with the Young Lions, one of whom was Scotty Davis, um, who we like very much from OTT. Yes. Um, And obviously the divide in the ring, very all Japan 90s style. Um, They clearly put a lot of thought into it. Um, And yeah, that was really cool. I hadn't really seen anything like that before. The undercard, I'd say, was kind of just the Lucha Forever undercard in general. I was maybe hoping the style would be maybe more distinct than it was. Um, a lot of it, like the, um, the undercard tags, were very you know flippy do PWG stuff as you'd expect. Tony Storm versus B Priestley was pretty good. Couple of awkward moments in it, but I think in general they were both both quality performers certainly. Um, and that was a, probably the third best match on the show. Uh, Haskins versus Tanazaki, I did enjoy. Filled um, out the show ni- nicely, um, and also Kelly Six got the shine in his tag match. Um, he got the win and then also got beat down afterwards by a group that's very similar to the the evil group in Attack. It has Metzinger and Elijah from that, as well as Ash Draven, who has popped in in mm. Red Pro occasionally, and he was sort of working a, a Sherlock Holmes... Interesting and not very pure Ressui, but, <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing more of that because I think he played it pretty well. Um, and Um But obviously I've got to talk about, you know... The real star of the show, Rob Lynch's Tomohiro Ishii-inspired oh, <laughs> uh, attire. Um, you know, he'd li- you could literally see the photos that he'd shown whoever was designing his gear, and he was pointing at it and saying, "I want that." Like, <laughs> here's a man who's clearly watched New Japan three times and has decided <laughs> to get a bu- not only a bullet club rip-off T-shirt, but Tomohiro Ishii rip-off gear um wow. and him the sticks was it was it was all right it wasn't as bad as it maybe i was expecting but yeah probably <laughs> certainly uh you know an interesting match to put on as the semi main uh other, like it was it was a fun night out certainly but i was maybe hoping for something more distinct than lucha forever mm. the main event certainly delivered though so i'm happy i went and saw kenno live
0: well, it certainly sounds like a, an interesting debut. I, I need to catch up catch up with the VOD, and is it something that you've uh, been intrigued with going forward? Then,
2: um, well, they're not. They're, it de- kind of depends who's on the show, what matches are on the show. I, I don't think I'll probably be following it, like going show for show with it. But just I don't know, picking and choosing my moments to go and see it. Um, if they got a particular person that I was looking forward to seeing. Um, yeah like i don't want to sound too negative on it but yeah it was kind of lucha forever relaunch in many regards which maybe wasn't what we wanted mm. um but yeah the main event certainly delivered so I'd, I'd probably recommend the show just to check that out and see if there was anything else on it that was fun
0: Benno, is this uh from what ali's described from frontline here is this uh something that you'd be interested in watching
1: rob lynch i just can't, I can't <laughs> get past that point when ollie describes a match as not as bad as he was expecting it's not a not a high phrase i mean I, I can't you can't always bring in japanese guys can you they're, they're no. not gonna do that every show so how you keep the identity going obviously they got the red versus blue stuff which is good but yeah when you're programming matches like mark askins against rob lynch's japanese strong style it's just it, it doesn't fill me with a huge amount of hope i'm i'm still interested in in seeing this as an opening show but it's a gimmick that's going to be hard to keep up over the long term i think so i don't know uh, uh, maybe osprey will involve himself a little bit more in his cards going forward maybe that would uh, pique my interest a little bit more but yeah i can't say i'm i'm hugely uh into the concept but i'll give them a chance um it's got to go better than lucha forever they're already one up the fact that they're bringing in japanese talent unlike lucha forever who never brought any lucha wrestlers didn't even use el Lagero. what were they doing there um so at least it's a, a step up on
0: that um, yeah, it certainly sounds interesting from the, you know, when you were describing uh, that young boy set up the ad up and certainly Scottie Davis is someone who should have been fetched over to these shows months ago. So, yeah, it'd be intri- intriguing to keep up with that. So I guess uh, we'll just have to wait and see what the future holds for Frontline. And uh before I move on to our last couple of items, um we seem to have talked... Uh a lot about Japanese wrestling on this show, and um, it seems that IPW are doing a show in conjunction with uh, Pro Wrestling Noah uh, in September entitled Global Clash, and they're bringing over Daisuke Harada, Tadasuke, Marafuji, Yohei, Hayata, along with uh, the smattering of the usual IPW names such as Chris Ridgway and uh, Mark Haskins. I mean... Ollie, is this a, a show that we should be excited for? I mean, I know no uh, big like 10, 15 years ago, but um, what can we expect from this card that is presented yeah. to us now?
2: Uh, well, obviously, Marufuji's the main man in Noah, so getting him, you kind of have to get him really <laughs> if you want to do a, a Noah Cross show. Uh, but then we've also got Kato Kiyomiya, who has was in an incredible match with Keno earlier this year, and they actually had a rematch, with, which I haven't seen yet. Um, but he's he's they've kind of got him doing the Masawa tribute stuff. He's wearing green. He's doing all the big Masawa spots. And he's sort of like the great hope for Noah to return to the top. They've earmarked him as the guy, really. Um, and he's losing a lot of matches to start off with. And I think we're going to see him grow and grow and grow. And he's only like 21 or something. So I think they're going to try and write the ship, write the arc with Kiyomiya. And then they're also got the the Rattel's and um daisuke harada who's an incredible wrestler um probably second only to ishimori in like recent noah juniors um and he actually went over for wxw for 16 karat a couple of years ago so you Mm -hmm. may have seen him there um and then yohei hayaten tadesuke from dove pro originally and then signed with noah at the beginning of last year after suzuki can messed up the entire promotion (laughs) (laughs) um and that that uh, that group raffles is I think I'm saying that right is pretty interesting. Um, they got that sort of punk vibe going on. Um, Yohei and Haru are a very entertaining tag team. They come out to a remix of Africa by Toto as well, so that'll, that'll just <laughs> get over hugely in front of a Brit crowd. Honestly, <laughs> like they've already made it. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's certainly an interesting lineup they've got. Plus the IPW guys who yeah we we all know who they are um yeah IPW is not it's just not <laughs> we don't talk about it at all ever because <laughs> it just doesn't really have a presence outside of the 50 people who think Sammy Smooth is the best wrestler in Britain <laughs> um but yeah getting these six Noah guys in and possibly more I don't actually know if that's it for what they but that's all they've announced right now it's it's certainly an interesting strategy um should produce a good show. I, I, I may check it out. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do like all those guys.
0: Yeah, I certainly think uh, Marafuji Haskins will be a cracking main event if that's uh, mm-hmm. if that's the route they're going down. Uh, yeah, so that's happening in September. Um, yeah, so we'll uh, discuss that in a couple of months. And uh, just what we get out of it. I mean, we haven't discussed progress on the show in a while since their last show in Sheffield. But tons has been happening for him. Loads of shows this summer. Doing a. A, a pretty big tour of the USA, Um small matter of them holding a show the same day as the World Cup final. I mean, <laughs> Benno, can you uh, update us all on all things progress?
1: Yeah, that World Cup final stuff's kind of uh, been dominating the headlines, and it's all going to be moved by the side of people that listen to this podcast, so maybe they'll have gotten away with one, but yeah, they've organised their upcoming Birmingham show on the day of the World Cup final while the game's going on, and yeah, the, if England make it, the genius idea is to break the show up and um, show the match at halfway, which has set the, the non football fans angry. Um, and the football fans are, are still a question. I mean, who's going to want to watch the second half of the progress show of England have won the world cup. Mm. Um, but I digress. Yeah, lots going on at the moment. So uh, obviously we've got that show coming up. um, big news really for, for me that's uh, interesting is Will Ospreay and and Jimmy Havoc was intended to be on the Wembley show. Uh, that looks to be off now with Ospreay having a New Japan date in the USA that day, which does beg the question, what happens with Zack Sabre Jr., who's supposed to be in the Progress title match? Um, yeah. I think that puts that in in some real uh, serious doubt, um, and it again kind of tells you the the problems that you can have in this landscape. It's not just uh, WWE causing problems. It could be a New Japan room. In the the main events of uh, Progress's biggest show coming up, um, yeah, so that, that kind of makes me look at that Birmingham uh, card coming up this Sunday and thinking how can they reshuffle things? Um, I think they've got a, a big Travis Banks and Tyler Bate match there, and I could Tyler Bate felt like he was going to be winning Super Strong Style before uh, he crashed out through injury, yeah. and Zack Saber ended up winning. So I wonder whether they'll they'll reshuffle the deck. Um, so yeah, that's coming up. Uh, their show in Birmingham on Sunday. Um, they've also got Eddie Dennis coming back. Uh, he's his first match back is with Danny Jones, so they're obviously going to be. I think they'll be now saving that uh, that big at Mark Andrews match for for Wembley. Um, well, they've also, got to I mean,
0: really, aren't they? I mean, if they've lost Osprey and Havoc, I mean that was one of the main draws for me. Mm-hmm. Bringing back that that was that is the feud in progress, isn't it? And how excited was everybody? I mean, I know you've got Pete done uh, uh, taking on off but sure, Os- losing Osprey and Havoc mm-hmm. is a, a big blow to them, isn't it?
1: yeah he will just have to be on a I presume on a Camden show at some point now Mm. they're continuing with the build and they're still got you know on that same Birmingham show Jimmy Havocs facing Drew Parker in another death match which they're they're kind of doing a run of and they've got Osprey attacking trainees and Paul Robertson um, getting himself involved and pulling Will Osprey off which is an interesting facet to the story so I think they'll still get to pay it off somewhere um, if it isn't Wembley but still uh, yeah it's still one of the more interesting things going on in progress so while that is a shame they've still got the got a chance um also going on at the moment yeah they've got uh, as you mentioned they got that u.s tour coming up um they're going to philadelphia boston new york seattle chicago detroit um i would say if you're an uh, american progress fan they they've put some it's very progress feeling it's, yeah. it's pretty much the core roster that's over there they've started down some matches like for seattle they've got pretty strong style against uh, Bandido, ray horace and Flamito, which is a match i'd love to see mm. over here very fight club pro side of the match but uh, a real uh, dream match that I'd like to see. And uh, while they, I think they'll be bleeding some uh, some Americans, the likes of uh, Ricky Shane Page, I think, is facing Eddie Dennis on one of those shows. Uh, they've still got they've got a very heavy uh, British roster there, which is really cool. So they've got some some interesting stuff uh, lined up there for uh, for America as well.
0: Yeah definitely because obviously that's been a criticism when they've done those mania shows hasn't it the fact that there's a uh, way too many you know evolved WWN guys on there and it's good to see that they're taking such a huge roster of British guys over there
1: Mm, definitely, definitely. So uh, yeah, I think that that keeps keeps that interesting. um The other kind of uh, big stuff that's been going on: uh, Mark Davis won their Natural Progression series, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they do with him. Whether they keep him as a singles guy or or a tag guy um, going forward. Uh, they've also got some some strife in the Atlas Division. Doug Williams' uh runners Atlas Champion continues. That uh, that Birmingham show I mentioned earlier. It's got a TK Cooper versus Rob Lynch match. <laughs> As in the Atlas Division, I mean, I can't think of a match that that makes me think that division is is fully dead uh, than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see how they're making TK Cooper a, a two hundred five guy, but but what what can you do? But yeah, they've uh, certainly got uh, some busy times coming up, and that, yeah, I've got um I've got faith. I think the the long term stories that, that they're trying to tell. Um, I think like I say that, that the havoc and Osprey stuff is interesting. The Pete Dunn uh, and Ilya stuff is really interesting and ongoing, and yeah, Mark Andrews and Eddie Dennis ongoing is really interesting as well. So, well, yeah, there's definitely some room for criticism there. Um, All in all, I'm still uh, interested in their big shows
0: coming up. Oli, are you... I mean, Benno's throwing us a lot of information there about progress. Are you excited about the summer they've got coming up here?
2: Um, I'm kind of looking ahead to September, to be honest, and that Wembley show. Mm. Um, Everything in between, I, I don't know if it interests me that much because you know, that Wembley show is gonna be really good and very exciting and it's a big big load of matches and everything in between is kinda just getting there and that's kind of always been progress's problem with the summer Mm. months is they set everything up so far in advance that you can't help but just look ahead to that rather than what's coming up now. Like you know everything's gonna happen then and not now and there's just not enough to really, you know, hold your attention (laughs) from show to show right now which is a bit disappointing. Um, Obviously, I'll check out this Osprey-Devlin match. I haven't yet, but it's getting great reviews. Um, Mm -hmm. And obviously, any Will Osprey singles match right now, you kind of have to check out
0: well it's one of the matches of the year so definitely check it out I mean we're slowly running out of time here but Benno this Osprey v Devlin match everything every good thing you've heard about it, it's not good enough as far as I'm concerned
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a match where the, the gifts do do it justice because the some of those exchanges are just incredible stuff but it's a match that yeah people should should definitely uh, check out it's just it's a, one of those million mile an hour Osprey matches but a match where I mean I expected him and Jordan Devlin to have chemistry but the amount of chemistry they had, than just the way the bodies kind of you know interloped with each other as they were going through some of the crazy, crazy spots, and the there was a stormbreaker counter into a co-red at some point, which I still can't really picture <laughs> in my brain uh, exactly how they managed to do it. Um, yeah, it was very much Osprey played into the heel role a lot in that match. Um, again, you know, teasing this this havoc stuff that's eventually going to be paid off. But it was your first class Will Osprey ballroom sprint. Um, it was the type of the match that made me wish that I was. I was there in the ballroom to see because, yeah, when Osprey's on form and he's in that environment, uh, there are a few that are better.
0: Yeah, they certainly had instant chemistry, didn't they? And this is a match that we'll see in OTT for sure. But um, do you think this is going to be the new skull Osprey? I mean, they certainly add just so much chemistry. I can see pretty much everyone doing this match now. Yeah, yes. I'd do it. I think
1: OTT won't be happy, though, really. <laughs> Man, it's, yeah,
0: it's disappointing that OTT couldn't do it at first
1: <laughs> after <laughs> they'd already
2: announced it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if it's what gets Devlin onto the bigger stage, um, obviously he's been in WWE UK, but he's never really been featured that strongly in it. Um, knocked out in the quarterfinals both times. Uh, I, I hope he can have some awesome matches to add to his excellent resume already this year.
0: And uh, just before we head out of here, I mean, the final news is that uh, the World of Sport adverts have started to uh, Mm. air, and it's been revealed that the new series will start airing at 5pm on Saturday the 28th of July, and it seems that ITV, uh, after being maybe slightly disappointed with the ratings for that special they did last year, um, they seem to be um, all in with having this on primetime here, Benno.
1: Yeah, I'm actually surprised to be honest. With 1.2 million last time, I'm surprised that's enough to give them a full run on Saturday nights. Because I could see it doing maybe a little bit more between one and two million, but it'd still be one of their lower ended shows. Although I will say, yeah, if, if one to two million people are watching British wrestling on a Saturday, wow, what a what a world we're living in. But um, I mean. As much as uh, a lot of uh, there was a bit of a bidding war, wasn't there between WWE and ITV? But these ITV guys are going to get seen by far more people than on the WWE shows, which are kind of going to be it feels like hidden away on the network. Um, which is an interesting little development. Maybe it could uh, make some mainstream stars of the guys. ITV have started releasing the rosters, haven't they? Robbie X and silly mask and uh, <laughs> and Crater slash Cyanide, but a lot of good talent in there as well. It's going to be. I think the the main thing we just talked a lot about with the last. Him being involved yeah, makes that's me big really thing. positive. He he shined, didn't he? You mentioned the trailers. Uh, just seeing a little bit of Will Osprey there, I think mainstream Saturday night audiences are going to be blown away by him. So yeah, uh, they've they've maybe lowered the profile of Gray though a little bit, it seems, and they're focusing on guys like that. Uh, I'm quite interested in the, and quite positive and on what's going to come with ITV.
0: I mean, Ollie, you weren't a big fan of the special at the um the other year. Has this mm. given you more optimism, especially with uh, the likes of Osprey being involved?
2: Yeah, Osprey being in certainly makes it <laughs> more palatable. Um, I'll, yeah, I'll definitely watch that first one just to see what it's like, um, and we'll definitely talk about it because it'll be it'll be fun, <laughs> no matter what. Um, <laughs> but maybe the full series might be a bit too much, or I might skip through some of the episodes. Um, I'm not going to, you know, be plonking my ass down on the sofa every Saturday to watch it. <laughs> um but yeah
0: that first episode, oh, well, take yeah it'll be all right <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah just before we head out of here head over to uh, com. check out all the rest of the shows and of course the Post wrestling forum leave us your feedback for this week's show and uh, yeah if, i mean i know people are inundated with this stuff but um, if you do like this show be sure to subscribe on itunes or whatever you listen to your podcast through and uh and leave us a review and thanks for listening we'll be back on the 25th of july and we'll uh, see you then come on england